my message this afternoon is simply titled, Are You Stuck? Are You Stuck? Turn to your neighbor and ask them. Look at them straight in the eye and ask them, Are You Stuck? Now turn to the person who you ignored very sweetly and say, don't worry, by the end of this, you will be set free. Uh, do you know that heaven is a place where there's no silence? You know, it's okay to make noise in the church. I'm a pastor who loves interaction. I'm a pastor, if you know, if you know, uh, if you know me by now over the last couple of years, and if you know that uh, even when babies cry, it does not put me off. Yeah? Sometimes you'll have to learn from these babies. You know, they make, no, they make so much of noise and they cry in freedom. And sometimes you're so, you know, we're so bound by, if I say something, if I drop a pen, if I drop a pencil, what's going to happen? What is he going to think of? Listen, listen, this is the house of God. It's not my house. This is the house of God. And uh, it's okay. It's okay to, to, to make a noise. Make a joyful noise, but yeah? Make a joyful noise. You know? This is a question, this is a question that I really feel a number of us need to answer. Are you stuck? Are you stuck? Today you could be having something, you could be having a problem with your spouse. You could be having, you could be facing some kind of a difficulty with regards to your job. You could be facing some kind of difficulty in your workplace. You could be facing some kind of a problem in your home and you feel like you're stuck and there's no way to get out of it. There's no way to get out of it. You know, when I was 10 years old, uh, we were living in, um, in Abu Dhabi at that point in time and we were living on the fourth floor and there was a fire in the building. There was a fire in the building and obviously when there's a fire in the building, Everyone needs to get out of the building, has to evacuate the building. And so I came out of the, I came out of the, uh, of the apartment, I came out of the flat, and I saw everyone running down the stairs. And I pressed the lift, I was like, what fools? I was like, what fools? I pressed the lift and I went inside the lift, and just about that lift started moving, they switched off the power in the building. They switched off the power in the building, and... Uh, I screamed and cried like no man's business. Okay, and the worst part is that when they switched off the power, there was no ventilation because the AC in the lift also was off. It was completely dark. I couldn't see anything. I was trying to hit every button on... In, why are you laughing? My wife is laughing at me. <laughs> ah, so bad. So bad. <laughs> this is being recorded, by the way, babe. <laughs> you know, I kept touching and pressing every button in that lift, you know, trying to figure out where's the bell, the alarm, but nothing would go off. It was maybe five to seven minutes, but it felt like eternity. It felt like eternity. And uh, after some time, the firefighter came and he put in the key and he opened the lift door and he brought me out. But that's something I cannot forget. That's something, that's, that's a, that's a, uh, that's something in my mind that I can't get rid of. So every time, you know, when we're in Ikea or something, they've got these really massive lifts, 
And uh, sometimes, you know, even there's, if there's place for even one foot to get in, four or five people will get in. You know? People like overcrowding lifts. I don't know whether that's a thing. You know, people get happy doing that. And then when people start overcrowding the lift, I either start, I'm like, you know, I kind of like get claustrophobic. I'm like, listen, listen, bring your entire family. You go in the lift, I'll go down the stairs. Bring everyone. Bring your grandfather, your granduncle, everyone. I will go down. And they'll be like, thank you, thank you so much, thank you so much. So I got this thing with lifts. But now 29 years later, I was in another situation a couple of weeks ago in Malaysia. So let me play you this video, okay? And if you want to see the end result of the video, come and meet me after the service. Oh! Just press open. We were on the seventh floor. No, 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 no. The lift dropped down. The, the shaft, like, you know, it opened like a mid shaft. From the seventh? Wow. Okay, oh, it now is going it is. down. Okay, alright. Hallelujah. Yeah. Oh, pray yeah, for, it's okay, it's okay. We pray it's for right, everyone not, in the lift that needs to lose weight. Okay. Right? Oh. <laughs> I think we should press open. Press open, press open. No, don't press the thing. No, wait. Just wait. press the bell. No. Yeah, okay. Okay, I don't know what you're doing. Thank you. <laughs> in that lift, there were around 12 of us in there. There were around 12 of us in that lift. And uh, all of the pastors at the conference were in that lift. All the pastors. I don't know whether it was planned. Okay, I, I don't really know. And there were a whole bunch of sessions over the next couple of days. But every person was in that lift. And it's pretty interesting, when you're, on, when you're on a lift, when you're stuck in a lift, with people who have God as their, it's very, it's, it's amazing to hear the different kinds of comments and the anxiety levels that come out, you know? And uh, listen, I kid you not, okay? If you think I was brave, I was not. I was like, God, in my, I'm like, don't make me look like a fool. <laughs> Don't make me look like a fool. I don't want to get claustrophobic. And I just started breathing slowly. I just, it was the bravest I've ever been. But those five to seven minutes felt like eternity. We were sweating in the lift like crazy. The power was on, but there was no AC. And there were around 12 of us in that lift. And after some time, one person tried to open the door. I'm like, don't do that. They're like, no, I did it before. I did it, I did it somewhere before. I'm like, don't do that. I'm like, just press the bell. There's a camera over here. They can see us. Some people were like, I'm like, they can't hear you. They'll probably think you're, you know, a lot of people go on these lifts and then cameras and they make these funny faces. So I'm like, they probably think something like that. But it felt like eternity. When we got out, when they opened the door, I had to climb one foot you know, almost, almost one foot to get out of the lift. And I was thinking, you know, some of those movies you're trying to get, you're trying to get out and the lift just gives in and goes out. And people were like, it was, it, was actually, it was actually crazy. Some of them were like, no, no, let me go out first. We'll just jump out. We'll just jump out. I'm like, no, no, I'm not jumping out. I'm not jumping out. But I mean, after I came out, you know, I told my wife, I, I gave her a call uh, and I told her what happened. I sent her a video of what happened. And I was super freaked out. You know, when I was in there, I was not super Christian. Okay, I mean, I didn't say anything wrong, but you know, I, I was like, 
What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I'm, all kinds of thoughts were going through my head. What if this lift from the seventh floor just goes crashing down? You know, what's going to happen? And then after I came out of the lift, this thought, as, as I, was just, I was just replaying what happened in my head, I was just thinking, if God could remove Daniel from the lion's den, if he could take them, if he could take the Israelites through the Red Sea, how could he not bring us out of that lift? The problem was I was not thinking of that while I was inside the lift. You know, probably if I was, if I was inside the lift and I was thinking of that, I would have been able to encourage the other pastors with them. Like, listen, we all know God. We know what God's done. You know, we've all got testimonies. But everyone was like, no, 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 open the door, open the door, press the bell, press the bell. You know, and listen, it happens to the best of us. It happens to the best of us. And you may think that this was really funny, but it wasn't. It wasn't. I kept playing it in my head the entire night. You know, I kept playing it in my head. But what I'm trying to say, you know, there are a number of doors, you know, natural doors in life that we all uh, experience. Some doors will never open until you push. Some doors will never open until you pull. You know, a lot of people, myself included, you know, the sign says, the sign says push, and we try to pull. It's clearly, it's clearly, and some doors, it says push, we, you know, some doors, they say push, we, we, again, you know, and it happens to the best of us. But some doors will never open until you push. Some doors will never open until you pull. Some just open. You walk into some of these malls, the doors just open. Some people open the doors for you. You know, you walk into some hotels, they open the doors for you. It feels good, right? Someone opening the doors for you. But I really believe the Bible says that the door he opens, no man can shut. The door he opens, no man can shut. Today you may be in a place where you feel you are stuck. There's no way to get out of the situation you are in. But I want to show you that God is going to open those doors. God is going to open those doors. It may be something you're struggling with your husband or your wife. You know, some kind of conflict or argument. But God is more than able to bring about victory and breakthrough in every area. You may feel like, I cannot communicate anymore. I cannot communicate with my husband. I cannot communicate with my wife. My children don't listen to me. What's happening? And you may feel like you're stuck. There's no way. But God is more than able to not only open the door, he's more than able to break open any door in order for you to taste complete victory and breakthrough. You know, and I really believe, I really believe that God wants each one of us today to step out of our stuck mode. You know, many a times when we are stuck, it becomes a way of life. And we, we prophesy ourselves, if this is what it is, so be it. If this is what it is, if this is what, ha what, it has, to, what has to happen, if this is the way it has to happen, so be it. But that's not what God has planned for you. We need to get out of our stuck mode. You know, and sometimes we need to push through. Do you, have you ever encountered those doors where, you know, the, the lock is open? You know, the lock is open, but it's not opening. It's, you, you, and then you have to just give it a little push. You have to just give it a little push, and then it opens. Sometimes we just need to push through. You know, two things that every believer should avoid, that every believer should avoid, is ignorance 
and arrogance. Ignorance results from an intentional decision to cap your learning, and arrogance results from the decision to remain ignorant. Arrogance results from the decision to remain ignorant. You know, in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, we see this man, Uzziah, King Uzziah, and it says that God prospered him, God blessed him, his fame spread across. People knew about Uzziah. And then what happened? It went to his head. It went to his head, and the Bible says he became arrogant. He became arrogant. He forgot the things of God. He was a king, but he went into the temple to burn the, he went into the temple to burn the incense, and only the priest was allowed to do that. Only the priest was allowed to do that. He went against God's word into the temple and he was, he was burning and, and, and he was burning the incense and carrying out priestly duties that were only meant for priests. He became arrogant. And the Bible says God struck his forehead with leprosy. Till the end, till the time of his death, he had leprosy. And arrogance results from the decision to remain ignorant. You know, in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5, it says, Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, say trouble. Come on, say it. Come on, say it like trouble. Even in times of trouble, we have a... The trouble was better than the joyful confidence. Even in times of trouble, we have her joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character, and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy, because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know, let me say this. Who you are is not when you're here on a Sunday morning. Who you are is not when you're here on a Sunday morning. Who you are is when pressure comes and how you behave when pressure comes. You know, you may have a couple of weeks of God giving you breakthrough, you would win the lottery, you'd buy a new car, everything's going well for you, and then a week after that, you go to the doctor and the doctor says, I'm so sorry, I have bad news. I have bad news. All of a sudden, you forget what God has done for you over the last couple of weeks. All of a sudden, you forget the breakthroughs and the miracles and the, and the victories that God gave you over the last couple of weeks. And your entire world is centered around this one problem that you just heard couple of minutes ago from the doctor and it becomes your world 
You allow yourself to get stuck in that moment and there's no way to get out of it. That's a song, by the way. You allow yourself to get stuck in that place, forgetting what God has done for you. That is why I say, who you are is not when you're here on a Sunday morning. Who you are is the rest of the week. How you deal, how you deal with pressure when things come along your way. Do you say, God, if my God is, if, if you are with me, what can bring me down? What can be against me? What can come against me? If you did it for me back then, you are more than able to do it right now. Or do you say, I give up? I give up. I give up. You know, this afternoon, I just want to share three tests of character. The first is the test of standing alone. The test of standing alone. You know, standing alone is a process. Standing alone is a process God uses to check our obedience and integrity. Standing alone is a process that God uses to check our obedience and integrity. You know, when I look at the book of Ruth, I'm telling you such revelation, such an amazing book. And when I look at the, when I look at the book of Ruth, I, I, I just, you know, I can't help but say this, that death is the prize to move away from where God has planted you. Death is the prize to move away from where God has planted you. Many a times we feel God is, we, we are praying for something and God gives it to us. And along the course of time, while we are enjoying and we're experiencing what God has done for us, whether it's a new job or whether it's something new, over time, we're like, this is frustrating. I cannot handle this. I cannot handle this. I, I, I cannot take this. It's getting to me. You know, it's, it's unbearable. And we forget what you were praying for God gave you. And the very fact that you are in that situation is because God knows what you are capable of. God knows how strong you are. God knows that you are a lot stronger than you think you are. And the Bible says that he will not allow you to go through what you cannot handle. So the very fact that you are in that place is because God has ordained it. And many a times, you know, we say, no, 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 no. I need to move away. I need to move away from this. I need to leave this job. I need to give this up. And you take on, you take on the whole thing of functioning in the flesh. You take on the, you take on the whole thing of functioning in the flesh and you fail, to under, you fail to understand that God gave you something that you desired. But only because it got a little tough, you feel you, you can't handle it and you walk away from it. You walk away from it. We need to understand that God has not called us to settle for anything less than the best that he has for us. See, you need to understand that God will never take away the good until he gives you better, and he will never take away the better until he gives you the best. But you need to know also that everything you have comes from God. And the, whether it's the good, the better, or the best, obviously we don't settle for anything less than the best, but it takes us through a journey, and along the journey, he upgrades us because he wants us to learn how to value and understand the true meaning of stewardship. Sometimes we crib and we say, oh, what I have is only, it, it's good. But what he has is the best. Your time to receive the best will come, but God wants you to look after the good first. 
God wants you to look after the good. That is why I say that is the price to move away from where God has planted you. You know, in, in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 4 to 6, now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah. And the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about 10 years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died. And, the, and uh, Malon and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with the daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Verses 14 to 17. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed the mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. The first thing that I said was the test of standing alone. The test of standing alone. You know, there, we don't go with the flow. We go against the flow. Many a times people will come and say, do this, do that, do this, do that. But is it right in the eyes of God? Is it God's will for you? And many times people will say, you're a fool for going and doing this. You're a fool for not, you're a fool for not joining us and coming along with us. You know, it's in those times, you may think you are standing alone, but in actuality, you are not alone. You are not alone. You will never be alone. Even in Psalm 23, we see that. Even though I walk through the valley of good, or, good and evil, I know that you are with me. No matter how dark it may seem right now, I know that you are with me. And no matter what happens, even if you go against the flow, as long as you choose to do what is right and you feel deep down in your heart, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to stand alone no matter what. God is the one who will lift you up. We see in the case of Ruth, God is the one who's going to lift you up because the Bible says he's the lifter of your head. God can use anything to work for you. Because the Bible says he will work out all things for your good. How do I know that God will use anything to work for me? Look at the scripture, Numbers 23, verse 11. Then Balak said to Balaam, Balaam was considered to be the, what we would call today a witch doctor. Okay? He was, he was not walking with God. He was the worst kind of person. But now Balak was afraid that Israel is going to come and destroy his army. And so he calls Balaam, who's this witch doctor, and he basically, he's basically asking Balaam to curse as Israel is over there on that mountain, curse them, curse them, speak a curse over them. And Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemies, but here you have thoroughly blessed them instead. Balak stood over there to curse these people. He started, as soon as he opened his mouth, 
He started prophesying over them. He started blessing them. He also, would, he also probably would have not, he also would have wondered, what in the world is going on? Imagine you are really upset with someone. Someone has got on the wrong foot of, someone got on the wrong side of you in your office and you get up the next day and I'm like, I'm going to teach this guy a lesson. I'm going to show him what I am made of. And you are building up your case. You are flooding your brain with all the negative things to say. You're flooding your head with everything. I'm going to say this. This is how I'm going to start the conversation. I'm not going to give this person room to speak. And you go over there and you stand in front of the person and you open your mouth and say, you know, I just want to bless you. No matter what happened yesterday, we're just going to put it behind us. But you're such a good, you're such an asset to this company. You are such a blessing to this company. This office, and you're also wondering, you're also trying to stop yourself as you're speaking. You're, this company cannot do without you. We need you. We need more people like you. And then you go away thinking, what in the world just happened? I wanted to pick a fight with this person. Let me say this. When you choose to stand alone, when you choose to stand for the things of God, no matter what people are saying around you, you might be stuck right now, but you are saying, God, I am stuck in this situation, but there's no situation that you cannot get me out of. People are saying a whole bunch of things, but I know that if my God is for me, there's no one that can be against me, and you will take me through. I'm telling you, God will use anything and everything to work for you in order for you to get from where you are to where he needs you to be. If God can use this person who was known for cursing people to prophesy and speak blessing over Israel, how much more will your God not do for you? How much more will he not do for you? You may be in, in, in meetings where people steal your points. Hey, can I see before the meeting? Can I see a couple of your things that you've prepared? And then they go and they sit in the meeting and like, they start narrating things that are familiar to your ear. I'm like, hey, wait, this is something that I put in my paper. And you find, you know, them getting credit for whatever you have, have put in hard work for. Bless them. People don't lift you up. People don't promote you. People don't give you a raise in your salary. People don't give you your job. God does. Everything that you need on the earth for the, from the beginning of your life till the end of your life comes from God and God alone. You will never find a time or a point in time when God says, hey, listen, I cannot do this. I don't think I can do this. Maybe I'm going to use Fabian to help him out. No, no, no. It's true that God uses people, but it's also true that God does all things. God does all things. You know, and at times God takes us through a season of standing alone. And in those seasons of standing alone, all you need is a hearing of knowing who God is. When you're in a season right now, you may feel like you're stuck. You don't need people telling you, I told you not to do this. I told you it's not going to work. No, 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 no. All you need is a hearing of knowing who God is. You need to have people around you telling you, listen. You've seen what God could do for you in the past. You've seen what God has done for your family. Do you think God's going to give up on you, just leave you like that? No, no, no. He's going to do it for you again. You need to have those people around you. You need to have people around you reminding you of 
getting you to know who your God is. The second thing, very quickly, the test of deep disappointment. The test of deep disappointment. Let me tell you this, you're not going anywhere till you go through a season of deep disappointment. Okay, you're not going anywhere till you go through a season of deep disappointment. How do you bounce back from disappointments? You need to make a decision to bounce back. You need to make a decision to bounce back. You, do, you need to remove anything that nurtures negative thoughts. And you need to focus on God. This is how you bounce back from disappointments. You know, there was a, in John 5, we see the person lying over there on the mat for 38 years. Jesus comes up to him and says, do you want to get well? He was lying over there because as far as we know, he couldn't walk. Okay? We don't, there's no, there's no, there's no, nowhere in the Bible where it says he couldn't drag himself. Okay, as far as we know, he had a problem with his lower part of the body. Okay? It says for 38 years he couldn't walk. And now and then the angel would come and stir up the pool. And whoever walked in, no matter whatever disease they had, they were completely healed. Even if this man was a couple of kilometers away from the pool, I'm pretty sure if he wanted it so bad, he could have dragged himself to that pool and it wouldn't take 38 years. You need to make a decision to bounce back. God wants to get you out of the rut. But sometimes people say, no, I'm good enough where we are. I'm good enough where I am. When Moses put the Israelites out of Egypt, they cried. They were upset. Why did you bring us out here? We were better off as slaves. We were happy to die over there as slaves because it became a way of life. They, were they, were, they, they became comfortable in that. That they forgot what breakthrough and they, they forgot what breakthrough. Wow. It's, uh, breakthrough is a new word, by the way, I just introduced. It's a mixture of breakthrough and victory. Okay, breakthrough. They forgot what breakthrough and victory looked like. They forgot that God wanted them to enter the promised land. And many a times, God wants us to get out. But we're like, no. I don't want to, I'm too scared of taking the step of faith. I'm too scared of taking a risk. And this man, Jesus comes up to him. Do you want to get well? Blah, 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 blah. Just say yes or no. The son of God is asking you, do you want to get well? No, you know, actually, uh, I've been trying to go into the river. The angel comes and he, shut up. Say yes or no. Say yes or no. You know? And instantly, if you try to walk, listen, in, in, in actual reality, if you try to walk after a very long time, after an accident or something, you have to go through, a, you have to go through physiotherapy. You need to, you, you need to learn this, you know, blood circulation and you need to learn how to walk. This man, it says he picked up his mat and walked. You may feel you are stuck today, but I want you to know that God is standing over there and saying, do you want this? I know you want this. Get up. Get up. You need to bounce back. Don't live in the bubble of disappointment, but allow that situation to become an appointed time for God to bring about your breakthrough.
In closing, I don't know how fast I'm going to close, but in closing, you know Luke chapter 1 verses 5 to 7, I love this passage of scripture. It says, during the reign of King Herod, the, the, the great of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah who served, who served in the temple as part of the priestly order of Abijah. Okay, this is, there couldn't be any greater disappointment in this. This is still on the second point, the test of deep disappointment. There was a Jewish priest, Zechariah, who served in the temple. And his wife was Elizabeth, from, who was from a family of priests, was a descendant of Aaron. They were both righteous before God, living virtuously, following the commandments, doing all the right things. But they were childless since Elizabeth was barren. And now they both were quite old. You know, when you have barrenness, people will come and tell you, you have sinned. You know, when something's not going right in your life, people, you, 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 I've had a lot of those kinds of people. And Clint, probably there's something wrong that you're doing in your life. That's why you're not experiencing God's breakthrough. Maybe, you know, that's why God is just holding back till you, make the right, till you, till you get things sorted out in your life. Then God will release, you know, his blessing over your life. But till then, you need to sort out your life. There's something that you're doing. And you'll have a whole bunch of these people telling you, you know, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with you. Get your act together. You'll have a whole bunch of people who come and say you sinned, you did wrong against God and all these things. But look over here. Eight verses 8 to 11. One day Zechariah's priestly order was on duty and was serving as a priest. He was chosen by the casting of lots according to the custom of the priesthood. So the honor, he was chosen by the, by the casting of lots, like they had a lottery system, According to the custom, so the owner felt upon Zechariah to enter the holy place and burn incense before the Lord. A large crowd of worshippers had gathered to pray outside the temple at the hour when the incense was being offered. All at once, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing just to the right of the altar of incense. Let me give you some, let me give you some facts, okay? At this point in time, when they were casting these lots and they were doing this lottery system, there were 17,000 to 20,000 priests. There were 17,000 to 20,000 priests. If, you, if, if, if your name was called out, you could only be allowed as a priest to burn incense once in your lifetime. Once in your lifetime. If you were lucky, twice at the most. What were the chances? What were the chances for Zechariah's name to be called that day. You know, going through disappointment, doing all the right things, what were the chances for Zechariah's name being called that day? Let me tell you this. When you come to the timing of the Lord, unusual things happen. Unusual things happen. Odd things happen. Extraordinary things happen. They were married for 25 years and they did not have a child. For 25 years. That brings me to my third and last point. The test of trusting God's timing. The test of trusting God's timing. The angel said, your prayer has been heard. The angel told Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. What prayer? That Elizabeth was going to be pregnant. Elizabeth was going to become pregnant. And it also says, in John, it also says in Luke, that he would carry the spirit of Elijah. He would carry the spirit of Elijah. The test of trusting God's timing. 
25 years is a long time. 25 years is a long time. I'm telling you, five minutes being stuck in that lift was a long time. Trust me. But God, because who God is, will not keep away anything from you that is due to you. It's true that we need to wait, and it's true at times we don't, I don't, I don't have the answers why God wants us to wait. I don't have the answers, but I do know this. It's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. What is it that you're praying for today? You may feel like you are stuck. How do I get out of this? God, is there anything more that you can do? I want you to know that God is intensifying his presence in your life. God is intensifying his presence in your life. He wants you to know that he's closer to you than you've ever experienced before. He wants you to know that he's right there with you. You know, even as, even as Fabian said, you know, he knew, correct me if I'm wrong, towards the end you said you knew that God was with you through, through that journey. And I want you to know today, you may feel like you're stuck, but there's nothing that God cannot get you out of. There's no door that God cannot open for you and for your family. There's nothing that God cannot do for you. You need to get ready. You need to bounce back. Just silence all those negative voices and focus on God completely. You need to get ready to expect, sorry. You need to get ready to expect uncommon miracles. You need to get ready to expect uncommon, extraordinary miracles. God wants to pull you out of the place that you're stuck.